All right, shall we get this endeavor underway? Mm-hmm. Off the cuff. We got All it. All right. We got it. We can do this all day, episode 27. Top five saddest moments in the MCU. Are you ready, partner? Rock and roll, buckaroo. Hi, this is Mark. And this is Emily. And And we we can can do do this this all day. day. A podcast where we review all the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll go through each film in the MCU chronologically and discuss our overall impressions, things we liked, things we didn't like, and everything in between. We hope you'll tune in and stay with us till the end of the line. And welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Mark Villa. As always, I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Emily Griswold. Good evening, Emily. Hola. Haven't seen you, seen you, seen you in a while. It's been a bit, it's been a minute. That seems to be kind of the. It's been a minute the, for us. It's not probably not been a minute for them. No, uh, we're actually recording this like what a day after we dropped uh, the End Game Part Two. Two N Two Game. Two N Two Game. So, it doesn't feel like a lot for us. But well, and they got End Game Part One like two weeks before that. That's the fastest turnaround we've ever had. So <laughs> yeah. hopefully. Hopefully y'all have been indulging and we can do this all day endgame goodness while uh, to, to pay you back for, for your patience over all this time. But yeah, we've been kind of busy. I mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen you in person in a little while. I haven't visually seen you in a while because I know you got stuff going on. You were away and I've been busy with work and welcome to fall in the nation's capital. Welcome to fall pretty much anywhere, I guess. Yeah, hopefully it's not winter by the time this comes out. Yeah, well, it might feel like it up here. It's going to be so cold. That's what Emily was saying right before we started recording. We're getting ready for a, a massive temperature drop at the end of the week, end of this weekend, and that's I'm not looking forward to that. It's not even you know, it's not even it's only mid mid October. It's not even Halloween yet, and already they're talking like mid to late November type temperatures. But but we are not here to discuss the weather. We are here to discuss the MCU and. We figured, you know, we've been so busy and so tired and, you know, we just finished our review of Endgame, this massive epic two-parter. We thought we would just take a break and do whatever, do what we often do whenever we feel like taking a break from the usual thing on this podcast. We do a top five episode, which I enjoy doing. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. What was our last top five? I think it was top five. Was it characters? It might have actually been characters. I have it in my little... Like middle of last year, it was definitely last year. Because we've done top five moments overall. That might have been the very first top five that we did. I we've think it was top characters. five moments. Well, we our very characters. very first top five was top five movies. True. That's that's true. That's true. That's true. But okay. It has so been a minute. Yeah. I think I think it was top five. It might have been top five characters. Sometime I like it was actually a little over a year. I think it was in like August. It was like right right before right before your mouth went to hell. Oh right. Yeah. Those not te- to dredge those up teeth never, that are never coming back. Not to dredge up, not to dredge up, make you relive past trauma again. But, but anyway, we decided we would do another top five list for this show, and we picked the top five saddest moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because you know there are actually, especially now that I've been sort of doing my research preparing for this show, there are quite a few sad moments. There was a lot of lot of teary eyed stuff going on in the MCU, especially Phase 4. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, as we do for all these top five shows, they, we will inevitably be talking about stuff that we have not reviewed yet. 
Uh, Most I can certainly of my say, top five is stuff we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm one, two, three. Yeah, four three of, of my <laughs> three of my three of my five are from are from things that are from things in phase four. I'm gonna guess that you and I picked at least one thing in common. I guarantee that we have at least one in common. So. Probably, yeah. And you should already. I mean, everyone already. If you've been listening to the show, you already know what my number one is. So that's not a big secret. We do have, even though we're not reviewing a film or a TV show today, we still do have some MCU news and a fair amount of it. Let's fire up the ticker tape machine. Let's get the bad news out of the way first. I know they usually say good news first, but I kind of want to get the bad news out of the way. Um, there's been a little bit of a kink in phase, I guess like the end of phase five, the end of phase six, because director Bassam Tariq has exited as the director of the upcoming Blade feature film starring Mahershala Ali. They were set to start filming next month. They were set to start filming in November for a release like sometime in uh, in twenty in November of 2023. <laughs> that has all been blown up because for probably, I'm, I'm going to guess, creative differences. Um, either that or there are also rumors that he wasn't up to sort of the shifting production schedule you know, Marvel tends to change things all the time. And supposedly he was not down with the constantly shifting production schedule. Basim Tariq has left. So now they're looking for a new director for the movie. Production has completely stopped while they look for that new director. As a result of that shutdown, several late phase five and early phase six MCU projects have been delayed as well. As I said, Blade has now been moved from November 3rd, 2023 to September 6th, 2024, an entire year, which uh, that created a ripple effect on pretty much everything following it. Deadpool 3, which they had not even a week earlier announced, you know, not only as happening, but that it would be featuring the return of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine for one last time. That has now been uh, relocated from September 6th of 2024 to November 8th, 2024. So only a couple of months, but still. Fantastic Four, you know, the movie that I'd been really looking forward to, for which they had just announced that WandaVision director and producer Matt Shackman would be directing. That has shifted from November 8th, 2024 to February 14th, 2025. Uh, there's an untitled Marvel film that was pushed from February 14th, 2025 in that old time slot to November 7th of that same year. Avengers Secret Wars, which was supposed to be coming out on November 7th, 2025, has now been moved to May 1st of 2026. And another untitled Marvel film that was set to come out on May the 1st, 2026, has been removed from Disney's production calendar completely. So stay tuned for more info on that. Hopefully they'll get a new director for Blade soon. I can't even believe that we're talking about 2026. Well, Kevin Feige has said that they've got the MCU planned out like a good 10, 12, maybe even more years in advance. So I mean, it blows my mind that in a few months it will be 2023. I, yeah. My brain can't even fathom that. How cool we were talking about movies that are not going to be coming out for three and a half years. Yeah, I totally get it. It is kind of weird. The good news is that they also announced not too long ago that the Armor Wars series that was supposed to be on Disney Plus starring Don Cheadle as a roadie will now be turned into a feature film. They decided that it was going to be better to make a movie out of it instead of a TV series. So we don't have a lot more information on that, but Don Cheadle is going to get his own. He's got a starring vehicle in an MCU feature film. I think that's fantastic news. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That'll probably be out in a few more years. 
so that's it with the news news um uh, by this time uh the werewolf werewolf by night one hour special has been out for about a week i loved it i'm going to rewatch it with my family at some point this weekend uh, a neat introduction to some of the horror elements of marvel comics uh, she hulk wrapped up yesterday the season finale just dropped i didn't particularly like the season finale but i still love the show overall and uh, if we cover werewolf by night we should have cherokee back we should totally have Cherokee because back. I, I, like I that. think I remember the last time we had her on, she was talking about Werewolf by Night and the yeah. fact that it was going to come out. I think that's a great idea. Cherokee, I know you're listening. Book your calendars for, God, I don't know when the heck we get around to it. <laughs> Maybe probably a year from now, if not more. But um, that was, I really enjoyed that. So we will definitely be talking about that at some point in the future. Um I guess yeah. That, I guess I guess the the next thing we're all gearing up for is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, coming out uh, in theaters in the U.S. on November 11th. So, top five saddest moments in the MCU. So, in case you've not tuned into one of our top five shows before or have forgotten, Emily and I are each going to count down our top five saddest moments in the MCU thus far, and they can be any moment at all, from any of the MCU films or TV shows up through, you know, Thor, Love and Thunder on the film side, and She-Hulk, inclusive of Werewolf by Night, if you wanted to, on the TV side. Is it inclusive of... No, it's not. It's not? No, it's not. Not inclusive of what, though? It's you not don't even inclu- know what I was going to say. <clears throat> I totally know what you're going to nope. say, because... <laughs> is it inclusive of Enum? It is, it is not inclusive of Enumve. Here, I'm going to use Pig Latin, because... Nemva? Wait. Enumve because Namev. Sony does not does Disney does not have an agreement with Sony over Okay, but isn't that him. the problem with Spider Man? Him. They have an agree they have a they have a deal to do the Spider Man stuff. They don't have a deal to do anything else. That's why like, you know, like Morbius okay. Morbi- Morbius doesn't count. Morbius Enumve doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry. Unfortunately, you know, Into the Spider-Verse does not count. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Oh, man, I wish that counted. I think, yeah, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 comes out, I think, next month also. I have to I have to double-check that, but that's that's exciting, too. That's another thing to look forward to. So, it was always my intention for us to rank these so that number five is the least favorite of the five and number one is the most favorite. But Emily, of course, doesn't do that, so she'll put hers in whatever order she wants to. I intend to do a proper countdown myself. As always, we've kept our choices a secret from each other. Uh, I've publicly stated before what my number one saddest moment in the MCU is. I can probably make an educated guess as to Emily's, but at this point, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. And once again, spoiler alert, we will definitely be talking about stuff that we have not reviewed yet. And I'm, for the first time ever in the history of this show, I am... Aside from my picks, which I have written down on this on a sheet of this sheet of paper here, I have no idea exactly what I'm going to say. Um, this is coming. This is going to be completely off the cuff. I suspect it's the same for Emily. I've written stuff for two of them, like a sentence. And that's that's more it. than that's <laughs> more than I've written. Let's start. Uh, let's just start. Let's start with Emily. Emily, what is your number five? Whichever in yeah. I, in whatever order you Let want to listen to Let me try and do them in, a, in an actual top five. I think I can do that. 
Okay. Ju- just know that, like, on any given day, these could move. Fair enough. But today, like, where mine, are they oh, today? My, mine moved. Mine moved like as late as five hours ago. Okay. Honestly. <laughs> so I'll start my number five today. Where I would put it, I would put it in five. Is pretty much anything with Jensen in the first Iron Man movie. Ooh. Because I was not expecting that. Wow. I was just thinking about it the other day because I didn't have a fifth thing. I was really struggling with a like adding another sad moment. Because some a bunch of the sad moments just like don't they're not sad to me. But knowing like once you get to the end um of their whole like Tony's whole time in the cave in Afghanistan and they're building the suit and all this stuff. And you reach the point where Jensen says basically, like, no, I'm already dead. Like, I'm doing all this to get you out. I'm already dead. It doesn't matter. When you go back and and you know that and you watch the movie again and you watch everything that he's done with him, knowing that he knows that he's not going to make it out and that he would sacrifice himself for it. Like, he doesn't actually know if Tony's going to do anything with what he's been given, like with his second chance. He's just like hoping <laughs> that something will work out. And I don't know. I just, he's got the actor. I don't remember his name or anything, but I think he's just so good. Like a really subdued, but really powerful performance, especially knowing that he's going to die at the end of it for someone who, you know, they have interacted with each other in the past and Tony basically blew him off and, because weren't they? They were both in Switzerland or something at a convention, and Tony was drunk and partying, and so they had interacted with each other before. But for Jensen to still like trust him, I guess I don't know. I'm pulling up the uh, IMDb, the, uh, the uh, actor's name because I we we talked about this in our review. I'm sure of we Iron. talked about it then too. Oh, yeah. Sean Tube, Sean Tube. Um, <clears throat> That's that's a that's a fantastic that's a fantastic pick, and you know I'm thinking about what you said. It's you could you could argue that yeah that Jensen was probably the first he was probably the first person ever in the MCU to either tacitly or implicitly or just somehow intuit that maybe Tony could be more than he was. And that's pretty important. I mean, see, because we all, we all, it's pretty obvious, you know, how important Tony Stark is to the MCU. We just reviewed Endgame. But that back should be then. pretty obvious. But back then, yeah, who who would have thought that? And to, to In be two thousand eight or whenever this was two thousand eight to make that to make that call and make that decision. I mean, maybe he didn't realize it. Maybe it was just a a weird, you know, I'm just going to. I have nothing but I have nothing but you know faith because that's all I've got left or hope. But what a, a, a universe altering decision to help him out. Yeah. So that's my top five or my, that's fifth, a, my fifth number five. Yeah. There we go. That, that I, it's a, it is it a, is it a sad moment? You know, especially, you know, especially when he dies kind of knowing all of this. Yes, it is, is sad. It doesn't move. It doesn't move me quite as much as apparently moved you, but it's still, you know, it's still a very big loss. And I think that affects, you know, I think that's probably the, one of the first things that kind of, nudges Tony in the direction of being less of, you know, less of what he was and more of what he could be. 
So I guess it's my turn. Um, so I'm gonna make my first, our first foray at number five into something that we have not reviewed yet. And you're gonna notice a pattern in all five of mine, um, which will become, it'll become fairly clear after a few picks. My number five pick is from Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The easy pick would be to say that the saddest moment is the the death of the death of Shang Chi's mom, Li. You could make that argument, but I'm not going to because I think this. I think the top five, my number five saddest moment in the MCU, follows her death. It's base. It's several moments, I suppose. It's when, you know, his father, when Wu, decides to take revenge on was it the iron gang he after having abandoned the ten rings to to live this life with her and have the two children to have shang chi and xiaoling you know he puts the he puts he forgets about the ten rings and the the both both the organization and the physical ten rings he puts them down and decides to live this you know wonderful peaceful life as a family man and then but then his wife is murdered and he just cannot let that go and he picks up the ten rings again and he takes his young son Shang Chi, who at that time is probably only like, he could have been more than like eight. Yeah, he's and a baby. He's really young. He takes him, he takes him to this kind of seedy club or bar or whatever it is where the Iron Gang is hanging out. So with his son standing by watching this whole thing, Wen Wu takes the Ten Rings and just flat out murders every member of the iron gang that's in that club just brutally right in front of this kid's face and 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 it doesn't and th that's bad enough it's bad enough that he killed all of these people in front of his son but to make things even worse he then decides you know the the 10 rings organization is back and you know what i'm going to turn my son into my number one assassin and so then he starts training Shang-Chi, you know, very, very hard in the, in the martial arts to be an assassin over the next several years and then sends him to go assassinate the leader of the Iron Gang. And it's at that point, you know, Shang-Chi goes overseas. We find out that he did, in fact, do the deed, but then went on the run uh, because he just he just because he just needed to get away and he felt horrible about what he did and he wanted to get away from his father. But. That's to me. I find that really sad because, you know, we've we've talked we've talked at length about the bad dad problem in the MCU, and Wen Wu is Wen Wu is just another on that list. To turn your son into a, to turn your son into a murderer, I mean, that's just and just to see, and just watching this kid looking on as his dad kills all these guys in this bar, and it's just yeah, it's just hard. It was just heartbreaking just to see that life. You know, a life that, thank goodness, was, you know, making something. He ended up making something, you know, incredible of himself later on and was able to turn it around. But in those moments, I can't imagine what's going through that kid's head. So so that's my number five. Shang-Chi becomes an assassin is what I'll call it. Some of that, well, because when you were saying that, I was thinking about all of the flashbacks of him, like, training and, like, just like brutal, and then also I was thinking about his sister, like all the times that she was left out. Sha yeah, Shaolin like, wanted to train too. And then also when she got left behind. Yeah. I think there's like it's not really a moment; it's more of just like a general sad vibe over that whole situation. 
because yeah, and it's and I guess it's it's good that you mentioned Shaolin because she she pays the price too, because she gets she didn't get trained, she lost her mom too, she got left behind, and that just sort of fueled her bitterness and resentment, understandably so, and uh, not just at not just at dad but at Shang Chi because Shang Chi left her behind and she was pretty pissed about that, so. You know the the amount of damage done to that family as a result of that decision, and uh, I struggled with this one. I wanted to get it in there, but there were so many other sad moments. And I thought about actually, I thought about cheating and doing a having a tie for fifth place, but I ultimately decided not to do that, and I decided to go with this one instead. Okay, uh, who's doing top right. four first uh, or number four? So Jeez, it's I'm gonna do so, this the whole time. Let's just let's. Let's just go back and forth. Emily, what is your number four? So today, I think my number four would be from the Loki series. It's in the first episode, and it's sort of in two parts. Um, so when he is in that room with Mobius, I, I was going to call him Morpheus, which is from the Sandman, which is wrong. It's also from the Matrix. <laughs> yes. So he's in there with Mobius and Mobius is sort of like, you know, poking at him and prodding him and being like, well, who are you really? Why are you really doing this? And then he shows Loki what led to his mom's death, which is on its face already very sad because I don't think Loki really knew that. I'm not that Loki, surely, um, because he hadn't. This is 2012 Loki, if you haven't seen the show. Spoilers. Um, this is 2012 Loki. And so 2012 Loki hasn't even gone back to Asgard yet. So he is yeah. fully unaware that he is going to be responsible for his mom's death. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff where Loki escapes. And then he's sort of messing around with everybody. And then he finds his way back to that room that he was with Mobius in. And he finds the remote. And he keeps watching. Yep. And he sees his own death. Mm-hmm. And his face, like Tom Hiddleston, doesn't really have like a. He's not really like a ya boy to me, but there's something about his face then when he sees his own death, and I think what gets me, that I didn't even really think about it until I was watching this again and I was reading some comments, he doesn't know if Thor survived. Because the video cuts out when he dies. So he doesn't know. If Thor survives the interaction with Thanos or not. Mm -hmm. And I think for all of Loki's, you know, like, burdened with glorious purpose, I'm the best one, me, me, me. He does love his brother. And to not know if your brother made it. Because at this time, I think he still doesn't quite understand that he is a, a variant. Like, he doesn't understand that, like, no matter what the actual Loki, like, that's going to happen. And so I think he still thinks like, oh, well, it won't happen. Like, I can change it. And it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> Maybe for you because you're a variant, but for like the actual Loki, that's how it ends. You know, as far as we know right now. Like, and I think it was that. I think it was seeing that he was the reason his mom died. And then they also showed, I think they showed like Odin dying too. Or like right before yep. Odin floated off into the nothing or whatever. And then to see his own death. Which maybe is a little bit self-centered of him, but like, who really wants to know how they're going to die? Because I don't think I want to know really how I'm going to die. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. 
I just want to be completely surprised. Yeah, and he's look. He looked. I remember the look on. He's he's he's, he's horrified. A- I mean, Tom Hiddleston's a great actor, and he made the most accurate and perfect portrayal of a person like Loki seeing their own death. Yeah, and it's 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 you know it's kind of I mean it's been a little while since I've seen that episode, but uh, I think I remember enough of it to be able to say you know. It's you know it's just a side it's a side of Loki that we might never have thought we had seen, especially 2012 Loki, because uh, he looks he's just he's just he's just in, it's like he's in, he's in total shock in that one, and it would probably take it would probably take something of that level, i.e., watching your own death, to make him react the way that he did. And it is yeah, and of course the bit with the bit with you know him not realizing until that moment that he directly or indirectly caused Freya's death. Pretty sad. <laughs> Very sad indeed. All right, what's your number 4? My number 4 going back to uh going back to phase 3. So I'm guessing since you did the Iron Man one at number 5, everything else for you here on out is like phase 4, isn't it? It's yep, all new, isn't it? It is. Okay. All right, well my number 4 is from Black Panther and it's it's the death of Njobu. And the subsequent abandonment of Eric Killmonger. Oh, that is pretty sad. Very sad. Uh, sadder than any other, you know, death in the film, as far as I'm concerned, because, you know, so we know that we know that Njobu, you know, was a war dog sent to America on a mission by then, you know, King T'Chaka, and he fell in love with an American woman, and they had Eric Killmonger, and he became very sympathetic to a lot of causes and felt that, you know, black peoples around the world were unable to rise up and resist their oppressors because they were not, they didn't have the tools and the weapons to do so. And that's why he, that's why he, you know, got some of that vibranium that Ulysses Claw had and was using it to try to free peoples around the world. And of course we, so we know that young, young uh, Zuri was also placed there in, in, uh, in Oakland to keep an eye on him. And then when King T'Chaka comes to confront Njobu about this stolen vibranium, uh, Njobu, you know, unfortunately pulls it. He pulls the gun on. He pulls the gun on on Zuri, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, as a result of that, T'Chaka kills him, and they decide. And we talked about this in the Black Panther, our Black Panther review. They decide, you know, what about the boy? And you know, this a lot of this is coming from you know. Zuri retelling, you know, retelling this to T'Challa in the in the uh, the heart shaped herb garden. He tells him, "Well, we we needed to maintain the lie, so we left him here." And that that single act is what just starts that horrible chain of events that turns this young boy into Eric Killmonger and turns him into the guy who you know nearly wreaks. <laughs> havoc and death and destruction upon the earth and it just ruined it just and it just ruined it just ruined it ruined his childhood it ruined his life and it's just really sad especially when you get to the scene after after killmonger thinks he's killed t'challa and he takes the heart-shaped herb and ascends to the throne of wakanda and becomes the new black panther and you know he goes to the his ancestral he has the plane. vision of his ancestral plane, you know, that that apart that apartment in Oakland where he sees his father and, you know, this you know, kudos to Michael B. Jordan 
who was is just such an incredible actor and he's just sitting there you know talking to his father in tears uh and it's just all of that is coming back all of the pain all of the you know everything that turned him into the man he is at that moment all stems from that moment that they took his father's life and decided to leave him to fend for himself again parenting <laughs> well i mean i don't are, think are you notice are you no, again are you noticing the pa- a parent i think no. it was the other adults around him no it, yeah it was not in jobu but it was yeah i'm just talking about you know the way okay maybe not parenting but the way we treat the way we treat our children right and yes king tachaka as we now know you know for having perpetrated this lie and do and having done this you know has a pretty big stain on his uh on his daddy card too right and i will just i will very very easily without hesitation put him on the same the same bad dad list as howard stark odin ego <laughs> the list Ego's goes on, bad, on, yeah. on so that's my so that's my number four the death of njobu and the abandonment of eric killmonger any comments no i mean i was thinking I, I have a really hard time making it moments, even though I know that's what we're doing, because I think that all leads up to his death, which is also pretty sad. Like when T'Challa yeah. takes him out to see the sunset or the sunrise, whichever one it is, and T'Challa could save him, but he doesn't want it. Right. He just wanted to see, or I mean, I guess T'Challa thought he would want to see that and like maybe it would change his mind. Because I think T'Challa is the type of person at least definitely after what happens in civil war to be like, I'm going to give him a second chance. Like let's try it. And he's like, Nope, (laughs) done. And yeah. And, and, and Killmonger doesn't, Killmonger doesn't even know that, you know, he's, you know, he's his, he's just, I think he just assumes that he's going to, he has to assume he'll just spend the rest of his life in a Wakandan prison if he survives. And he doesn't want to be that. He doesn't want to be a prisoner. He doesn't want to be a slave. That's why I said, yeah, just you know, dump my, you know, dump me in the ocean where my ancestors were, when they came over on the ships, and you know, it's a death that was you know completely, complete. That's well, that's the thing. the The death of Njobu leads to the death of Eric Killmonger, and it's all so unnecessary, and and that's what makes it so sad. It's that it's that this could have been prevented very very easily. So that's our number fours, Emily. What is your number three? I'm really struggling with this one only because I'm stuck between two options. And one of these options, I don't think anyone else really thinks is sad, but I think is very sad. And one of these options, everybody thinks is sad. But I think since it's my list and the sum feeling right now, number three is going to be May's death in No Way Home, which I rewatched today. Okay. Okay. See, that's the thing. It's like, it's so, so sad that you'd think it'd be one or two. But I have such a, like a connection to my second and first, like a personal connection, which I think you probably know what they are by now. Or you, at least you know one of them. But I think what makes May May's death so sad is when I was rewatching it, in movie time, we get a lot of time where you think, because the, the whole lead up is that, I don't even, it's been a minute since I watched the movie, but the whole lead up is that they're in this destroyed apartment building because they've been fighting the other multiverse um, Spider-Man baddies. 
And May and Peter are both like now in the lobby. They've somehow gotten down there. Debris and rocks and concrete. And they both get up. And they're both like talking to each other. And they're both about to leave. In in real time, we get about like two-ish minutes where you think, all right, this was just a scare. Like, everything's going to be fine. We're going to move forward and we're going to keep May and everything's going to be good. And then, like, wham. Just kidding. No. <laughs> no May. Like, she drops her, she drops the, with great resp- with great power comes great responsibility. And then, wham, it's over. Like, gone. No more May. And he doesn't even get a chance to, like, mourn in the moment really, because there comes the SWAT team, you know, and he can't be there. I think I read a comment when I was uh, watching this clip that someone was saying it was like the adrenaline, like the parent adrenaline, where you just want to make sure the kid is okay. And once the kid is okay, you're like, good, all right, I can like, do whatever. And her whatever was dying. (laughs) It's just sad. He just he Tom Holland has such a good cry face. He's so good at looking sad, and I'm also very sad that May's dead. <laughs> when you first told me that this was your number three, I said, okay, and I sounded kind of whatever, because guess what my number two is? <laughs> I mean, it has to be on here. That's, I think that's, you can't yeah. have this list without that one. I wasn't, I, I had the, and I had the feeling this might be the one that we both picked. Obviously, we, we placed it differently. Yeah, so, Aunt May, I'm, so I'm, I'm jumping ahead. The Death of Aunt May is my number two. Um, we won't talk about it, it too much. Yeah, but it's I, what. You, yeah, well, here you, you. If you say, if you have something else to say, go right ahead. No, I don't. Uh, this was the one that I wrote stuff about, and it was just the fact that he, I, I know that this is like the character, but he never gets a break. Yeah. Never ever mm-hmm. once has that kid ever been given like a good thing that lasted. Because <laughs> even like the good things, like in this movie in particular, like he. Gets another chance at MIT, and it's, you know, pretty much wasted because he's got to be busy with this thing. He gets a chance to, like, help these guys, and then it's ruined. He gets, you know, he gets all of these chances, and they just keep getting taken away from him. But this is obviously the worst one because it's May. Well, she's his rock. Right. He's had all this, these, you know, bad things happen to him. And up to this point, I mean, we, we assume his parents are dead. We, you know, we know he's, you know, he's, he's still sort of hot on the heels of, you know, of losing Tony, the closest father figure he's got. And what's his face? The guy who tried to step in. I forgot his name. Jake Gyllenhaal. Who do you play? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Mysterio. Like that would have been his Tony replacement. Could have been his Tony replacement, only to find out that the guy is, you know, a psychopath and, you know, tried to kill him and, you know, ruined his life by exposing his secret identity to the world. And I think, I think, so, so first of all, so May has, has always been his rock. And that, that is the, even, yeah, he's got MJ and he's got Ned, but it's Aunt May. <laughs> this is the, this is his only family, his only, bl- the only blood relative we know of. This is the woman who supposedly has been raising him for God knows how many years. She is his rock and she's been killed. And yeah. And like you said, it's sad because he doesn't have a chance to mourn because the SWAT team is showing up. 
poor Happy takes the brunt of it, but you know, he wants to, he helps get Peter out of there. Um, I just, as I was, I was watching that scene earlier today. I just, as sort of a quick aside, kudos to, uh, oh gosh, who plays, who plays Happy Hogan? I can't believe I, the, who directed oh, the first uh, two Iron Man John movies. John Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah. He's John Favreau. Kudos to John Favreau. When he pulls up in the SUV and looks in the lobby, uh, he just takes one look. He sees Peter leaning over may and he knows immediately what's happened and just the look on it's like the, you can see the blood just drain out of his face he doesn't say anything and it's it's a it's a great little uh it's it's a great uh just a, some really a really good little little thing that john favreau did that i think made a big impact and really i think helps that scene quite a bit but yeah and then and to make it even i think what makes it even sadder now that we've seen the movie you know, of course, we're talking about Spider-Man Nowhere, wait, No Way Home, for those of you who didn't know. We know what's coming. He's already lost all of this. We know what he's about to lose. We know that because of everything that's happened, everyone is going to, he's, he's going to ask Doctor Strange to, you know, do something that's going to make everyone in the world forget about him, including the only two people he's got left, well, three if you include Happy, the only people he's got left in this world who care about him, Happy. MJ and Ned. Um, so it makes it even more sad. So it's, it's, he's about to lose even more. Um, yeah. I mean, if there's like a title for saddest movie, it's probably this one. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic movie. It's a movie. great I, movie, but I it can't, is so sad. I can't, and it, you know, there's a lot of stuff in phase four that I thought has been kind of eh, but Spider Man No Way Home is fantastic. And I can't wait till, till we get around to reviewing that. Um, but yeah, I, but yeah, I, I, I thought, yeah, I, I was thinking, yeah, Aunt May, I remember seeing that, I like, no, like, no, 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 they can't do that. They can't do that. And it took me, it took me completely by surprise. It probably shouldn't have, but it did. And I was kind of dumbstruck just like, yeah, you couldn't hear a pin drop in the theater when she died. And it was just, it was a very powerful moment. And yes, and yes, you know, Tom, Tom Holland is, yes, he does, he does sad anguish really, really well. Uh, I can see why you like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know you're number two. What's your number three? So we're going to back up to number three, and so I'm I'm wondering if this I'm wondering if this is going to make it all into your top two. I'm not sure. And this one actually didn't dawn on me until very very late in the day. This hit me like as I was going to bed last night, uh, and I even thought about moving it up higher. It is the death of Randall Specter, brother of Mark Specter in Moon Knight. Oh, okay. I the, did not even think about Moon Knight once. <laughs> I loved Moon Knight and I did not think about it. Yeah, it's funny. I, 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 was, I was a little surprised. I know you liked Moonlight a lot. You liked Moon Knight a lot better than I did. Uh, and I still liked it, but there were just, I, I know you enjoyed I it more I than I did. I didn't find anything really sad in there. The fourth, so the fourth. Well, now that I'm fifth, thinking about it. The fifth episode, uh, the title of which escapes me now. And basically it's, you know, Mark, Mark Spector and... Stephen, Stephen, the Stephen Grant persona are in this. They're unconscious because he's because he's unconscious in the real world, and he's in this kind of netherworld where he's getting to examine his past and so on and so forth. And we find out over the course of the story that when he was very when he was a, when he was a little boy, Mark Spector went out playing with his little brother Randall, uh, and mom told him, "Be careful, look after your little brother." And they went into this cave. And it starts to rain, and Randall tells Mark, no, we're not supposed to go in here when it rains. And Mark says, no, it's no big deal. Everything's going to be okay. 
and they both go in and the cave floods and Randall drowns. And so from that point on, Mark's mother, who apparently was <laughs> probably kind of unhinged to begin with, um, she's in, she is so anguished and so and in so much grief over this, but but she blames Mark relentlessly for the rest of her slash his life. That this is all your fault. This is all your fault. She 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 and she abuses him. She beats him. Um and we find out that this is what led to him, you know, having the episode that created the Stephen Grant persona. Stephen Grant was a, a, a sort of an Indiana Jones movie movie hero that he liked. And just we can just sort of a, just sort of speculate, put together from the flashbacks that we saw in that episode, you know, after being just constantly abused by his mother. I mean, she beats him. She yells at him. She's constantly telling him you know, that it was all his fault that his brother died. And dad, you know, dad didn't do a damn thing. Dad just kind of rolled over. I don't know what that was about. So I'm kind of I put him on the bad dad list, too, for different reasons. He just let the mother do this. That you no, know, he's in Mark Spector. Young Mark Spector is in such shock that he ends up adopting this persona of Stephen Grant, who's got this loving mother and everything is great for him, and he has a great life. It was Mark Spector's way of coping with this trauma of having this of a losing his brother and b having this horrifically abusive mom on him for the rest of her life. Uh, and that just you know, I was like, wow. This, this, and just to watch what, you know, she, she, she takes, she puts, she takes the belt to him and she's just yelling at him. This is all your fault. This is all your fault. And, and he's just, he's a mess. I mean, he, he has a psychic breakdown as a result of it. I was thinking about, um, cause she dies, right? Like that's sort of what causes the, the big break. Yeah. She, she dies and, and you know, he, I remember he shows up. seeing, yeah, like he comes to the to house the, to her shiva yeah and, and dad comes out he i also oscar isaac is a very good sad face because he just like breaks down right there in the street and has like the saddest sad face you've ever seen in your life it's kind of a double whammy because not only is this you know are we finding out you know about the tragic past of mark specter Stephen but you know who is else is too. Stephen yeah. Grant, the Stephen Grant persona, because he watches whole ex- himself have a breakdown, having a breakdown. He's learning all of this, and you know, Mark Mark confronts him. No, no, you're not supposed to see this. You were supposed to be the out for all of this. You were supposed to go on and have this wonderful life where your mom's alive and you go on these adventures and you know all this Egyptian stuff. You know, you were the safety valve. And here is so it's it's just doubly distressing because Stephen Grant is learning all of this too, and he's horrified too. He's horrified by he's horrified to find out about this other person that he's just uh, that he was created because of this, and it's just the whole the whole revelation of this is just a shock to him too. So it's kind of like two personas uh, are are in an incredible amount of pain because of because of the revelation of this, um, and so. That's why it's my number three. I thought it was a, I remember watching it and thinking, wow, this is just really heavy. Um, and again, parenting, she, she's not a bad dad. She's a bad mom. So, but she, so if, she, if we do a bad dad list, she goes on the honorable mentions list for, for, uh, for being uh, an absolutely terrible mom. 
So I guess that leaves us with you. You need to do your number two mm-hmm. now. Because I get my number two, The Death of Aunt May from Spider-Man No Way Home. Emily, what is your number two? So I'm also having trouble if I want to have this, the one I'm thinking of be number two or have the one I'm thinking of being number one being number two. <laughs> because the one that I'm going to go ahead for number two, I think about a lot, but I actually don't think it's as sad as number one which is why it's number two. Um, so it is in the second episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So the sort of lead up to this is that Steve gave Sam the shield at the end of Endgame. And then sort of the opening of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that Sam gave the shield up and they gave the shield to crummy jerk John Walker. And so in this episode, Bucky and Sam have been fighting sort of what we know as the Flag Smashers. And then they go to Baltimore to find another super soldier. We could talk forever about that Baltimore scene probably because that's pretty intense. Isaiah, Isaiah, I I keep forgetting Isaiah's last name. Yeah, but we could talk about that and and the subsequent when they get arrested because Bucky missed his court-mandated therapy. Um, That whole scene and talk about Baltimore police. Um, So they're doing the therapy and there's like, the funny bit where they're like soul gazing and talking about their like you know what is your preferred uh like what do you want if in a perfect world what do you want in your relationship with each other and they're being jerks and blah 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 and it's like silly and funny it's like it's it's like marriage counseling yeah but then bucky says um like he's really upset about sam giving up the shield and he says you know, like, Steve gave you that shield for a reason, and if he's wrong about you, then he's wrong about me. And also, in the background of this, because isn't it Henry Jackman did the music for the show, too? He did indeed. Henry Jackman did the music for Winter Soldier, and you could hear it in the background of when he's saying this. It's sort of a variation on the end of the line song, uh-huh. which plays in Winter Soldier when uh, Steve is fighting with Bucky in the helicarrier, and... Steve, of course, makes the decision to let Bucky just wail on him because he says, like, I'm with you to the end of the line. And then Bucky makes the choice to save Steve. And so they sort of both made the choice to save each other. You know, Steve saved Bucky because he saw the real Bucky under all of that Winter Soldier programming and decided to save him. And if Steve was wrong about Sam, you know, like if Steve was wrong about Sam, who is this like upstanding guy who is the clear front runner to be the next captain, like for Steve to pick as the next Captain America, you know, we can talk about what the government wants or whatever. But if he was wrong about picking Sam, how could he possibly have been right about saving Bucky? And the line, I don't know why it just like always gets me. And this is like why I was struggling with it because I can see that you don't find this very sad at all. But like, and May is way sad, like May is way sadder on like the, tugging at your heart heartstrings scale but thinking of everything that Bucky's gone through like dude's 106 years old yeah like it's been a rough go of it for about 80 of those years I'd say and even probably before because it wasn't a fun time to be a teenager in New York in the 30s most likely and then yeah, like you're you're, was, you're you're poor you're trying yeah. not to get polio and you see all and your best friend is constantly sick like your best friend's constantly on the verge of death you get drafted to go into a war that 
your friend wants so desperately to go to and you have to go and you don't want to. Um, and then all of the trauma, of course, that comes with being in a war zone for all of those times, like all throughout the whole of the MCU, Steve is picking Bucky. Like Steve is saying, you're worth it. Like you are my friend and you're worth it. And for Steve to pick Sam for the shield and say, you are worth it. And for Sam to give that up, like Bucky takes it personally because Steve isn't there to defend himself. And so I just think like that, that line always like, if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Like Bucky is so broken at this point and doesn't know, like he doesn't know who to trust. He doesn't know who to believe. He doesn't know, even though Steve has always picked him, he doesn't know that like, was that legit? Because Steve also, in my opinion, like Steve also said, I'm going to pick Peggy and peaced out. So it's, I think, really hard for him to sort of match reality with what he act, with what he thinks is going on, which is Steve was wrong about Sam, so he's wrong about me. I've always been trash. I wouldn't have been taken by Hydra if I wasn't trash. Like Hydra wouldn't have done that to me because a good man like Steve wouldn't have done what I did. I do think it is sad. It's sad in a different sort of way. Here's here's how I I see it. And this is it's I think this is I think this is very similar to what you're saying. I'm going to preamble this a lot. We if we go back to Captain America the First Avenger, you know, we have the early history of the relationship between Steve and Bucky. That Bucky was always kind of like the big brother figure there looking out for Steve, looking out for Steve, looking out for Steve and then after he becomes Captain America, it's like a big role reversal. And it's it's it then becomes Steve looking out for Bucky, Steve looking out for Bucky, and then continues to be like that for, you know, off and, off and on, obviously, for the course of several decades. And I think because, as you say, Bucky was so horrifically broken, the only thing that was kind of buoying his, his hope that things would be okay, that that he could be okay, was Steve's support and he, that validation. I mean, you know, here's something you you and I talk about validation all the time. Steve's Steve's validation was just so necessary for him. So it's 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 sad in one way that yes, you know, the because Steve's validation was so important to him to suddenly see to suddenly you know have that called into question or to suddenly see what if yeah what if, what if Steve was wrong with regard to picking Sam as the the new person to wield the shield yeah what does that say about me so i think it's what does it say about me it's it's also just sort of the thought that his rock here we talk about may being peter parker's rock in some ways steve is bucky's rock and vice versa to to a certain extent and just the notion that the notion that your rock might have made a wrong choice is is got to be jarring and when you when that's the only thing that you kind of have to hold on to at the moment that's really jarring it's, it makes it especially jarring it just kind of blow could could it has the potential to blow your whole world apart so it's sad for that reason but in another sort of subtle way you know it's sad because and again, this is something you and I have talked about, you know, with regard to other things. You 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 want Bucky to get to the point, and I think he more or less, you know, we start to see that towards the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
you want to see Bucky not need that validation. We want, you know, I mean, the whole, the whole, you know, the three rules, you know, we talk about the three, as he's going through making a, going through his list, making amends for all the people he's hurt, you know, the, the three rules, you know, like nobody gets, nobody gets killed, nobody gets hurt. Uh, you know, I am no longer the winter soldier. You know, you want him to not need someone else's validation. You want Bucky to be able to say, I am James Buchanan Barnes. I am not the Winter Soldier. This is who I am. I'm a good person. I am not that thing that I was for all those decades. So it's, it's you know, it's also kind of sad because he he's not yet at a point where he can shed that, the shed the need for that validation. And he's he's still trying to learn how to be his own man again. So I know, so I agree. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of an, it's sort of an unconventional pick, but I understand why you made it. I like it. Okay, good. <laughs> so no, no. And I, I, I kind of figured, I figured Bucky was going to find his way into this oh, yeah. list somehow in some capacity, but that's a good, I actually, I, I know I, I started re, I, I, I started rewatching Falcon and the Winter Soldier the other day. I watched the first episode. It was the first time I'd seen any of the shows. I, it's the first time I had rewatched any of the shows at all. I might go through it again, or I might just wait till we get around to it. So that's your number two, and we already did my number two. I guess that that leaves us with our our number ones. Maybe I'll start with my number one since mine's going to be a little less climactic because everyone should already know this already because I've talked about it ad nauseum. So let me go first with my number one just to get it out of the way. For those of you who forgot or who haven't been listening long enough to know, and it has been like this for years now, and it still is. Um, my number one saddest moment in the MCU is the death of Meredith Quill, uh, Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord's mother, at the very beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was thinking uh, when you were like, oh, you know mine, I was like, I'm sure I do, but I don't remember. And I was thinking it was going to be something with um, Stephen Strange. But no, I remember you saying this now. Yeah. That uh, that I still I still have a hard time watching those first five or six minutes of guardians of the galaxy i mean he because see you know, he's 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 sitting in this he's you know this young kid he's probably about he's in his he's like in his early teens at that like his very early teens he's kind of like maybe my son's age or a little bit younger like like 10 11 something like that and you know sitting in this you know kind of just dark depressing hospital with family members who were kind of you know not being terribly gentle with you but they're under a lot of stress too and you know his mom is there she's clearly dying of cancer and she just and she dies you know you don't know who your dad is or kind of where he is and she dies in front of him and it's right there and he's he's horrified he's he's just so he's just really really scared by that and he just runs out of the hospital next thing you know he's being scooped up by yondu and transported across the galaxy so there's kind of a twofold thing there's twofold trauma but just that that there's something viscerally about Meredith Quill dying in front of him, dying in you know, for a, a child to lose a parent like that is just I can't I can't even imagine, and it just it's just to this day it just there's something about that scene that just viscerally it's just re- that's just really hard for me to watch, so yeah so that's why I I don't have a whole lot more to say about it, it just viscerally it's just really really sad, then that woman meant everything to him you know we we now know we know about all the cassette tapes and all the eighties references. Uh, and then to find out later on that, you know, his bio dad is the reason that she's dead, uh, it kind of makes it even sadder. The death of Meredith Quill is my number one saddest moment in the MCU. 
I always just have a hard time because we've talked about this with the Guardians movies is that they're so silly that there are things in there that I think are pretty sad or like really dark. But everything else is just so silly that I always forget that those things exist. Well, it's like, you know, before until until Quill, you know, the flash forward after the Marvel logos and when he's on when he's on, you know, Morag and he plays he starts playing Come Get Your Love on the Walkman, everything up to that moment is dead serious. So yeah, like the first five to ten minutes of that movie are just deadly serious. Uh starting with Meredith Quill's death. So that's kind of a weird kind of a strange irony that, you know, this this movie that's got a lot of haha jokes and one of the more humorous outings in the MCU uh starts off really, really dark. All right. I'm I'm trying to think. I'm well I think I, I have the feeling I have an idea. I have an idea what I kind of want you to guess. All right, I'm gonna guess. Is it something from Hawkeye? It is. It is. Okay. Does it involve? Does it involve Yelena Belova? It does. It does. (laughs) And by 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 default, does it involve Natasha Romanoff? Yes. Ah, okay. I pretty much. This is one. I think I know what it is, and if it is, it's one of my alternates. It's the whistle. That's when Clint whistles their secret whistle. That makes me so sad. I mean, it's just like, it's actually not even, I don't find um, Yelena's, mostly because I like can't take her silly Russian accent seriously. Like, I don't know why Russian accents make me laugh. But she's like, you know, I loved her so much. Like, I miss her so much. You got so much more time with her. Because up until that point, my understanding is that she doesn't really know how close Clinton and Natasha were. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she does know and she's mad because of the fact that he would have let her die. Like, he would have gotten all that time with her. And he would have gotten to know her for way longer than Yelena did. And he let her die. I don't know. I'm just thinking about, of course, like, my sister. Like, if someone in her life, like her husband or her best friend or whatever... If all I knew was what someone else had told me about what happened and what someone else had told me was wrong, was that like, oh, he let her die. Like he let her do this when really like Natasha sacrificed herself. Like I would have done that, too. And if that same person had done like the secret whistle, I would have fallen apart. We would have been done like exactly how she reacted. I think what made it more sad is that I was watching people react to it like youtubers react to this scene and a lot of them i think hadn't seen the black widow movie it that's the vibe i got anyway but even the men like these dudes dudes tm were like oh no their secret whistle like the way they reacted and like every youtuber was crying everybody was sad and they were like yeah he loved her too like you guys can like love each other because you loved her you don't have to fight like watching all of these other people be really sad because I'm not a super emotional person like none of these scenes make me cry or anything but as we've talked about before, like, I have such a connection to the sister thing that I don't know how I'd react if someone did that to me in the middle of a fight. But the fact that she listened to him and, like, got up and helped him up, 
like this it's also like a hopeful moment too that you realize like these two people shared a bond with someone who is very important to them and now you have to go on without that person i think i think yelena you know kind of figures out and it's understandable why she didn't feel this at first but i think she she learns to realize uh, and become i think very grateful that her sister had clint it, it takes a it, it you know obviously she doesn't feel like that initially but i think ultimately she comes around to realize you know i'm glad my sister had this very meaningful worthwhile relationship with this guy um you know they saved each other's lives numerous times you know i wasn't always able i wasn't able to be there for her i'm glad he was that's kind of how i read into it i think what really sells this whole scene as like the saddest for me is when she says like you got so much more time with him yeah that would that's what makes it really sad because like that is sad your sister's your first friend and to know that someone else got more time because it's not like your parents. Like, your parents had a whole life before they had you. Your sister, at most, in a typical situation, had, like, five years on you, which is, like, nothing. Mm-hmm. And they maybe have another friend, but they don't have anyone who they know as intimately as you guys know each other. Except, you know, Natasha had Clint. And had Clint for a lot longer. And, like, I don't know, it hurt me, too. <laughs> One of my alternates, you know, one of my honorable mentions was also from Hawkeye. It was sort of a, a variation on this. It just, it was just sort of the, the realization that, you know, once we realize that Yelena blipped, it's, you know, it, it's, it, you know, it's the real, the realization that, you know, in that moment, Natasha lost her and then Natasha died and then Yelena came back and realized Natasha had died and that she had lost her. So it's just kind of this realization that each that, that each of them lost each other at a different moment in time. And that that I found that I found profoundly sad is that they just kind of they couldn't, you know, they they kind of they sort of, you know, quote unquote, missed each other. Uh, and there was there was just something about the there was just something very, very your sister gets dusted. And then you die, your sister comes back, you know, and comes back to just just suddenly comes back to a world where her sister is dead, and that's just wow. I found that I found that very sad. It wasn't quite enough to get into my top five. I I considered it. I actually considered that as part of the. I was thinking about doing like a three or four way tie for fifth place, and I thought about putting that there, but I ultimately decided to leave that on my honorable mentions list. Like I so that I I obviously have a list of honorable mentions. I was wondering, did you have any alternates? Because I got a pretty long list, actually. I mean, there's other things that I guess I would consider sad, but all right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I had. Um, so my honorable mentions for saddest moment. You can in the just MCU. read them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last ep- the, the last episode of WandaVision where Wanda has to oh, say goodbye. I was just about to make a joke that like, oh, we didn't mention anything from WandaVision, the show that made everyone sad. That yeah the that almost that was one another one of the ones that almost made my uh, three way three way tie for fifth place you know Wanda having to say goodbye to what is it Billy and Tommy and you know, and and to say goodbye to Vision again you know when she takes down the hex 
another one that actually almost made it into my top five, also from Hawkeye, uh, the death of Echo's father at the hands of Clinton Barton in the Ronan persona. I thought that was really sad. Oh, lots of stuff with Echo is sad, yeah. Lots of stuff with Echo is sad. Uh, the death of Natasha, obviously an honorable mention. The death of Tony Stark, an honorable mention. But, you know, we kind of, you know, something about that, you know, the fact that it was a little more more heroic than sad, as sad as it was, kind of wasn't quite enough to put it up in the top five, but I still get a little teary-eyed every time Tony dies. The snap itself, I guess, that was more shocking than sad, but I wrote it down anyway. I think more specifically, if I were to pick one, like an honorable mention from the snap in particular, it'd be Peter. Oh, God, yeah, I mean... Like, I don't want to go. That's probably on everybody's list. That's probably on everybody's list. Um, I actually put down, you know, this is this is sort of a, a bit of a, a bit of a deep cut. Uh, Cap support group in Endgame. Okay. Um, this is because it's everything that the the mood the mood you know surrounding you know during during the blip everyone is just so depressed and just you know the support that support group is just really it's like oh my god it must be this must be an absolutely horrible time to be alive um, the the slaughter of half of Gamora's people in the flashback in Infinity War uh, I thought that was very sad again another another you know another moment related to you know bad da- bad dads and doing horrible things to children um and then the last one on my honorable mentions is uh is is from falcon and the winter soldier and it's in uh the final episode when bucky finally tells mr nakajima what happened uh, to his son yeah uh that 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 was very that was a very that was very powerful it was necessary for bucky to do that in order to you know make things right but uh you know still very sad nonetheless another good one for me anyway is in far from home um when peter's sort of putting together the pieces of what's going on with um mysterio quentin beck and he ends up like in that um tulip field (laughs) Or like he, oh, yeah. he ends up in jail, and then he's in the tulip field, and, and Happy calls Happy. Happy comes to get him, and Happy's trying to like fix him up because he's all broken, and it's it literally is like a moment. It's like the briefest moment where he's got like a, a Tom Holland. He's got this like desperately broken face because he's upset rightly that like happy is hurting him in this particular moment but you can also see you know sometimes you're upset about one particular thing and you're like if one more thing happens that's it you know where it's like and that's and the one more thing that happens is like you drop a fork you know the the one more thing is like a really dumb thing but it's like there are so many bad things right now that if one more stupid bad thing happens i'm gonna fall off the cliff and like i think that's the face he made and that face always makes me sad because it's like, yeah, man, I know where you are. <laughs> it's and there's Peter Parker for you. There you have it, folks. Our top five saddest moments in the MCU. Thank you very much for joining us once again. When we come back, I don't know how long it's going to be, but we come back. We're going to be venturing into unknown territory. We will be starting our first review of Marvel Disney Plus shows, starting with 
WandaVision Part 1. We haven't quite figured out <laughs> how big that Part 1 is going to be, but it'll definitely be at least a two-part two part review of uh, all nine episodes of WandaVision. So Part 1 nine? is... It's nine parts. It's nine episodes? I forgot. It's nine episodes. It's nine episodes, but most of them are short. Right, like, they're like twenty minutes. The first, the first, the first eight are like twenty-five minutes, and then the the finale is like forty or fifty minutes. I'm gonna tell y'all right now, you won't like me. I did not like Wandavision. <laughs> I'm gonna lose a, if we have any fans. I'm gonna lose all of the ones that I had because I don't like that show. Well, I guess we have no way of tracking. We do sort of have a. We'll have to just check the. Uh, for those of you listening on Apple Podcasts, we'll start looking for you know, all these little number of one star ratings starts. I understand up. why people like it. It's just not for me. There are lots of things about Wandavision that I liked. There are lots of things about Wandavision that I didn't like. So, um, but we'll get into. I will that. try to be. I'll, I'll. I mean, I'm gonna watch it again, of course. So I'm gonna try. So I'm yeah, trying to have an open mind. Watch, watching, rewatching things uh, does change your perspective sometimes. You know, even some of my least favorite, my least favorite Marvel films, I'm able to come away. I'm usually able to come away with a slightly greater appreciation for them after I've seen them again, uh, reviewing them for this show. So we'll see. Who knows? Maybe that'll be the same thing with you and WandaVision. Maybe not. If not, no biggie. But yes, we will get back to y'all with that at some point in the not too distant future. Hopefully, it won't be too long. In the meantime. Thank you so much for joining us and stay safe and we will see you down the road. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Oh, we said it at the same time. Jinx. Do I have to get you a Coke now or something? I already got you like six of them. I already still have them. I got you tons of them already. So. Boom. 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 Boom.